Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. This week we go back to the Shudder service for a Shudder exclusive film, I believe, right? Or at least it was at one time. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Shutter made this movie, but I think that they currently have the exclusive rights to it. All right, that's what it is. That's how we get to see it anyway, and how you can see it too. If after our conversation today you were so moved, this film uh, Craig picked out this week called Summer of '84. I never heard of it before. I don't. I don't have a subscription to Shutter. I just share yours. <laughs> and I'm not on there too often. So, uh, But they've got a lot of good stuff on there. I feel like we should be getting money from them for as much as we've been promoting their service lately right. on our show. Uh, but uh, this is a 2018 Canadian horror mystery film directed by three people. Francois Simard, Anouk Whistle, and Johan Carl Whistle, who haven't actually done much uh, before this, have done a movie called Turbo Kid or something, and uh, which I've heard really good things about. It's on Shutter too, and I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's really cool. It's also a horror movie. Yeah, well, I've heard it kind of described as like Mad Max with kids. Oh, and I think it's uh, like really violent, and I don't know. It's something I want to check out eventually. Okay. It did premiere, um, not Turbo Kid, but Summer of 84 did premiere at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival and did have a limited release in theaters in uh, August, two years ago. So um, most of the critics seem to really like this movie and praise it. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's over 70% positive on that. And it is clearly, if you can't tell by the title, it's clearly, um, it's fan service for people who like 80s movies, right? It's um, yeah. it's your classic uh, kids go on a summer adventure movie akin to Goonies and, you know, Monster Squad and those kind of things. It's also very similar to The Burbs, except with kids. Right. Uh, and the general premise is that... These this group of kids, or particularly this one kid named Davy, uh, starts to believe that his neighbor across the street, who's also a police officer, uh, happens to be a serial killer in their city, uh, their town of Cape May, I believe it's called. Cape May, Oregon is what it's supposed to be. There's a bunch of killings that have been going on. A lot of kids have been going missing and, and have been apparently for years. Uh, and uh, he thinks that his neighbor is one of them. So I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. Maybe I enjoyed it a little too much simply because it was directly feeding me, you know, little bits and snippets and pieces of 1984, mm-hmm. kind of in the same vein as Stranger Things does, but is a little different. So, um, yeah, I, I was really happy that you proposed this film, Craig, and I enjoyed watching it. Uh, had you seen it before? Or had you heard of other things about it before we watched it? No. I just came across it on Shutter. Uh, you're right; they they should be paying us because uh, I <laughs> talk. I they they should just be paying me personally because I'm telling everybody I know you got to get on there because there's some really good stuff and they're uh, exclusive and original content. I've actually just been really impressed by. Plus, they've got tons of old horror and stuff too. But you're right; this is. Um, Definitely fan service for those of us who are fans of horror from the 80s. The vibes you already mentioned, like uh, Monster Squad for sure, the Goonies, in uh, subject matter, very reminiscent of Rear Window um, Mm. and Fright Night. Even um, like 
some ET vibes. You know, it just, it, it's a total throwback to our childhood and adolescence. These boys, um, hang out in a tree house. They ride their bikes everywhere. You know, they play neighborhood games. And for, for my neighborhood, it was always capture the flag, but they play this game called Manhunt, which is kind of seems like the same thing. There's so much 80s here. Uh, that... <laughs> shameless, actually. <laughs> it is. It is. But, but I loved it. And these guys, this group of guys, uh, some of them uh, you'll recognize from other things. To be honest, it's been a few weeks since I watched this, but uh, one of the guys, I think it's uh, the guy named Eats, who's played by Judah Lewis, is that that's the kid from The Babysitter, right? Yep. Which we also talked about. Yep, he's the one. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked him in that movie, and, and a couple of the other guys are kind of familiar, too. There's, of course, like, the kind of nerdy one, Faraday. Woody is the heavyset one, who also looks... He's a, a great big guy. He These kids are supposed to be, what, like, Third, no, fifteen. Is that right? Fifteen. I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be fifteen, and for the most part, I mean, they look pretty young. I don't know how old they are uh, in real life, but uh, they they seem the, the the boys are good enough actors and have good enough chemistry that you really just buy them as friends. Yeah. And as much as you know, they do go on kind of this mystery adventure. There's also just a lot of cute and sometimes tender. Uh, moments between these guys too and I was just really happy to go on this ride with them which is fun but ultimately becomes high stakes and gets pretty scary uh, at points yeah Uh, so I I do think that it falls you know it is mostly a mystery but we definitely get some horror elements especially in the last half hour or so yeah, I would say the last half hour definitely takes a turn that it wasn't a turn I was not expecting, but I think the tone I was definitely not expecting. It does get very, very dark uh, and and actually has a very bleak ending, which, uh, you know, as I was watching this movie, as we've talked about before, my wife is not particularly fond of, of scary movies as, a, uh, as your partner. In this sense, I was watching it thinking, oh, this was something we could have sat down and watched together and really enjoyed. And then by the time we got to the end of it, I thought, uh, nah, she would have hated me yeah. by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. The last, the first hour was, you know, quite charming and sweet. And then the last 20 minutes or so, uh, it suddenly gets very dark. So uh, this would have been something I think could have been rated. I don't know what it is. Ra- is it PG-13 or is it actually R? Probably R. It's got a bunch of F-bombs. I'm a little dark yeah, at the I'm end. guessing R. Yeah. Um, Could have been PG-13 uh, if it weren't for how it ends, I think, I would say. so. Well, and another thing that I thought was good about it is that it, it kept me guessing. I wasn't sure. You know, you laid out the basic premise. It opens up with the main kid, Davey, uh, doing his paper route on his bike. And over that, he's got a monologue where he talks about... Even serial killers live next door to somebody. Um, the mm. suburbs are where the craziest stuff happens. And like you said, these boys have gone missing. We don't even really know that at first. Uh, he delivers a paper to his neighbor, and his neighbor is a cop uh, whose last name is Mackie, that, which is what they always call him. I don't even know what his first name is. Wayne. And, and this guy, he doesn't look... 
it too particularly imposing. Uh, in fact, he's kind of a chubby guy, and he seems friendly. But he invites Davy in. Uh, Davy gets his attention because um, he needs paid. He he hasn't paid for his paper subscription or whatever. And he's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I'll get you your money or whatever." But while you're here, can you come in and help me lift something? And this is exactly what we were warned against in the yeah. 80s. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> never get into a car with a stranger. Never. We were warned about these things. And then at the same time, our parents would send us door to door to sell things for school. Yeah. And, and like, we would totally interact with strangers all the time. <laughs> it was a real dichotomy there. <laughs> yeah. Total mixed messages in the 80s. So Davy goes in and the house seems pretty normal. There's a lot of family photos on the wall and he says something like, big family, huh? And he's like, yeah, but I don't really have any family around here, you know, which is good because they're not stopping by all the time. He's like, but I need you to help me carry this thing down into the basement. I don't even remember what it was, some big like cabinet or something. And they go down there and it's just kind of creepy because it's a basement and they're Hmm. alone. Um, and Davy notices a padlocked room down there, and there's another room that's lit in all red. I am putting the finishing touches on my dark room. Sort of an amateur photographer. I figured that this beast could help store some equipment. Yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm sort of an amateur videographer, so I get it. Just like the old man. My God, I remember when your parents would push you around the block in a stroller. Now look at you. How old are you, anyway? Fifteen. Fifteen. It's the perfect age. I wish I could just freeze it for you. You know, and of course I know that this is a scary movie, so everything is suspect. Uh, And so that line made me pause, like, ah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, (laughs) I thought that, too. (laughs) This guy's played by Rich Summer, who, uh, I don't know if you recognize him from anything, I really enjoyed him as Harry Crane in Mad Men. And he has this real personality. The guy's actually quite good at comedy, but he's really good at just playing this nice, kind of affable, friendly, everyday dude. And like you said you feel like because you're watching a horror movie, you're waiting, you're looking for these clues and and you're suspect of everybody who you come across and what their motivations might be. And right away, you're kind of being set up for this guy uh, to be a suspicious character in the movie. But at the same time, you know that's a trope, right? Right. So you're always wondering, is this film going to subvert my expectations? Is it toying with me? And I think this actor in this role does a very good job of riding that line so that you never really know whether he's uh, hiding something or whether he's just this affable guy. But he is quite amiable to the kids uh, and really friendly. And the interesting thing about it is that as the movie goes on, you really get the sense that this guy's a kid at heart. Uh There are a lot of these subtle clues, not so subtle clues, actually, of how he interacts with the neighborhood boys as a police officer and just out on his front porch. There's a scene later where he's he's just sitting out on his porch watching the kids across the street playing ball, and he brings out a cooler full of, like, I don't know, ice pops or something. Uh and says, hey, who wants one? They come over and grab them, and he just sits there and smiles. And, you know, this is the kind of thing and the ki- that w- I think maybe we're overly sensitive to nowadays. Oh, yeah. you know, single man likes kids and, you know, lives by himself and goes out of his way to give them candy and invite them over. I think back then probably we were a little sensitive to it too. Our parents were, but not as much as as we are now. Well, 
And I think that kind of what the movie is playing on is then, and even to an extent now, you don't suspect your neighbors. You know, it, yeah. it's it's always somebody else. You know, it, it's not just it's not the nice guy who lives next door. That doesn't make any sense. It's somebody else. This happens to other people in other places. Of course, that's not true, which is why uh, the kid says in the beginning, even serial killers live next door to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) like, ding, 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 (laughs) in case you don't know where this movie's going. Well, and also, he's got this history with the kids, right? I mean, flat out, oh, the last time I saw you, you know, you were this high, or I was helping your dad with something. So it's not like he's a new guy in town either. Right. Right? So that's another thing. Yeah, he's been there since they were little kids. And a police officer. Yeah, and he's a cop. Right, exactly. But... That night, the the boys, and not just our main group of boys, but like the whole neighborhood of boys are out playing this manhunt game at, at night in the dark. Um, but Davy sees a curly-haired boy in Mackie's kitchen. And then somebody like startles him and he looks away. And when he looks back, the kid's not there anymore. But Davy's into conspiracy theories anyway. Like he's got his whole room is lined with newspapers, like crime stories. And then we get some cute setup. You know, the kids bike around to Cruel Summer, which, you know, is super 80s, total throwback to Karate Kid. We're introduced to there's another neighbor girl who's a little older than them named Nikki, who they all have uh, kind of a crush on, and and she's cute, pretty girl. Um, But then the serial killer story breaks, and apparently this has been going on for a while, but the police have now gotten a letter from somebody who has said they are doing this, and they signed it the Cape May Slayer. And they, the, on the, the profile, they say it's probably a white male, probably between 30 and 40, probably living alone, targets boys 14 to 15 years old. And eventually, there's a thing where one of their friends from the neighborhood, Sammy and his family, have been gone for a while, but their car is still there, and they think that's weird. But then, when it really amps up is when Davy sees the curly-haired boy that he had seen in Mackie's house. He sees him on a milk carton. And so at that point, he is convinced that Mackie's the Cape May Slayer. Even though his friends are initially uh, skeptical, he says, no, that's a, that's it. Nobody would ever suspect a cop. And so that's when they basically start spying on him, and they track his schedule, and check out his mail and his garbage, and and all kinds of things, and yeah, I mean, that's a, a good part of it. It's just them kind of watching him. Yeah, it's just so classic for these kind of movies. And as you said before, the movie's just dripping with references to 80s. And so what we're getting for this first half hour is this pretty long, protracted setup uh, where we're introduced to these characters and these kids are meeting, and they're meeting in a treehouse. I mean, this is all quite classic. But like you said, it's really more about getting to know these boys and their relationships. And as you get to know the boys, and again, one thing I appreciate about this movie was it wasn't really thrown in our face, and a lot of it was just kind of offhand. But all of them, almost all of them, have a little bit of problems at home. Eats is the kid who's got, you know, who's got kind of wear the slacks clothes and longer hair and listens to like heavy metal or hair bands or whatever. And he is clearly has some issues with his parents fighting at home. And uh, the, the overweight kid you mentioned earlier, Woody, 
he's got some problems at home with his mom. His mom is um, always depressed and upset. Was she divorced? What was the deal with her? Was she? I don't think we really know, but I actually really liked the way that the movie handled this. Yeah. I I thought that it was kind of surprisingly sophisticated in some way. Mm. Like, usually, you know... (sighs) These kids, like, in the Goonies, you know, they all have this problem where their neighborhood is getting bought out, you know, by the rich people in town or whatever. Uh, But here, these kids kind of have real issues. Now, Faraday, the dorky one, it seems like his family is very normal. And Davy's family is is pretty normal. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Eats, it seems like he comes from maybe, I don't know, an abusive household, but... Definitely a lot of um, tension there. You hear his parents screaming at each other from inside. His brother's also kind of an older loser. But the thing, and and everybody, they're super horny all the time. They're all the time looking at (laughs) nudie magazines and like humping on each other and stuff, which is funny. Yeah. Um, Cracking jokes about getting tail and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and looking at the neighbor girl through binoculars out the window and mm-hmm. it, it, it all very classic, uh, 80s stuff. But Eats is all the time making sexual remarks about Woody's mom. And every time he does, Woody's like, dude, don't talk about my mom like that. It's not funny. And, you know, we used to razz each other like that when we were kids. Um, yeah, mom jokes was just a thing. Yeah, you see, just in a very brief moment, you know, Woody asks, I think he asked Davey if he can spend the night. And Davey says, yeah, and, and Woody goes home to get his stuff. And his mom is there, and she's, I think, a waitress. She's in some sort of uniform, and she's just sitting on the couch crying and drinking and smoking. And he lays her down and covers her up and says, it's going to be okay. And she just looks at him and says, you're so good. And it was sad. Like, you just kind of get the sense that this woman has problems, whether she's struggling with divorce or if her husband left or if she's just struggling with being a single mom or whatever it is. She's not doing well. And you see why Eats makes all these sexual jokes about her because she's beautiful. She's she's young and gorgeous. Um, but you also see why Woody would take, not offense, but why it would bother him because his his mom has problems. It's just a little bit more true to life than your typical 80s fare. Yeah. Maybe that's more of a 2020 sensibility in the filmmaking. I don't know, but I liked it. I did too. Well, it also kind of works well with the theme, right? I mean, uh, a lot of these movies, the suburbs was this idyllic place where all these crazy adventures happen, but everything kind of ends up okay and kids are having fun and playing outside. Not to say that, you know, there isn't, haven't been conflict in those 80s movies. I mean, you know, the Karate Kid, and but in general... You know, that tended to be the feel of the movies and of the eras that kind of came before it. You know, Dennis the Menace and Lassie and stuff. Like, the suburbs are just this nice, fun, happy place. And so, from the beginning monologue, and then, like you said, very sophisticated and subtly introducing these problems and showing you that all these kids, they have other considerations besides their adventure, real-life crap that they have to deal with that people from the suburbs and who live out in these nice manicured lawns are not immune to. And I think that just plays in well with the theme of the movie. 
it's cute because he's looking out the window at this girl across the street whose name is Nikki, and like you said, she's ma- she's like a couple years older. I think she's probably about to graduate. Yeah. She talks later about how she's going to go to Stanford. She used to babysit him when he was younger, so they've known each other for a long time. Yeah, and so they have this little history, and they kind of talk about how cute she is, and he looks out the window at her, and at one point, she looks back at him, and she sees that he's looking at her. Then there's this really great moment a little later when she comes over. Uh, this is the time, actually, when you said that um, that Woody was supposed to come over to his house. He's waiting for Woody to come over. And when he opens the door, he thinks it's Woody, but it's her. And she just walks inside, and his parents happen to be gone. And she helps herself to a soda from the fridge, and she's being very suggestive. And she goes upstairs to his bedroom and picks up the binoculars and looks out the window. and Huh better view of my room than I thought. I've never seen you naked. It's too bad. I've got a great body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's being very flirty with him, Mm. which I I didn't know what to think at first. In fact, the first time I watched this movie, I've seen it twice. I watched it again for the podcast, but the first time I watched it, I didn't know what was going on with her. And in fact, I thought she was a little shady. Yeah. And I, I kept questioning. I maybe even thought that she was somehow in involved. on it. Yeah, me too. When I say in on it, like I didn't know exactly what was going on. But if there was something going on, I thought maybe she was in on it because she always kind of pops up at surprising times too. Yeah, I had the same suspicions. I mean, I thought his parents were in on it at some point because there are little things that happen there too. You know, where they kind of allude to the past or the neighbor uh, across the street that the, the police officer we were talking about was up in, in their attic helping them move things. So there's sometimes when his parents exchange looks with each other that you're kind of wondering what's going on. There's a little bit, I think, of suspicion cast on everybody or maybe it's just the paranoia of me watching a movie like this and expecting a twist. Right. You know? But uh, yeah, she's really... It's really hard to know what she's getting at here with the with him in, in the bedroom. As it turns out, she's just kind of toying with him because they do have this previous relationship. Um, and ultimately, they really become and remain friendly. It, it, and that part, there's a part of me that's like, that's not believable. The pretty 17-year-old girl is not going to be chummy with this geeky little 15 year old boy but then i was like yeah they've known each other for a really long time they have a history and so i do believe it i think the circumstances were what really preempted that i mean when later uh, when she talks to him she opens up and says we're going to be moving because her parents are getting a divorce yeah and And, you know again this is another like 80s well i was just going to say and we had heard that because um, Davy's parents had been talking about it, and the mom had said something like, oh my gosh, I, I had no idea they were even having problems. And the dad says, well, that's why curtains were invented, which again goes back to that, what you had said before, kind of the whole theme, you never really know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Yes, the suburbs are kind of this facade of normalcy and safety, but you really never know what's going on behind closed doors. And and her experience mirrors that too. And ultimately, she is reaching out to Davey because she n- just needs somebody to talk to. Yeah. Like, 
to kind of work through this stuff. And they do. Periodically throughout the movie, they just get together and hang out and talk. And, and it's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet and they don't kiss or anything. I mean, it's just uh, like you said, it's, it's like her about to go through all these changes. And I thought this was very... 80s. I mean, I don't mean to downplay divorce. Divorce can be very tough on children, but I think especially in the 80s, we felt like this was kind of like the end of the world, or uh-huh. at least the media was telling us that this does irreparable damage to your children and your families. And I know that, you know, it was a scandalous thing at that time that two people would get divorced. And this was a theme, you know, so this being a throwback movie that really kinds of fits. But what do you do? You know, I mean, she's about to go off to college. She's going to go to Stanford. They're going to move. Her parents are getting a divorce. So she goes back. She retreats back to the nostalgia of when she remembered better times and that was her friend across the street so i I felt like the motivation was quite good but as you said you don't know this right away (laughs) so you're very suspicious and wondering why is she so eager to come over and talk with him and be alone in his room and kind of why are they sneaking around of course his friends are totally impressed by it that's kind of cool for him that doesn't always happen well and it's (laughs) it's cute you know one of the early times that they're talking he confides in her what they're doing and she tells him oh you're crazy you know he's a cop and and davy's like yeah but and she's like no he's friends with my dad like you know like again it's that we know this guy (laughs) and she encourages him to to stop she's like you're gonna get caught you're gonna get in trouble and he says no i won't and they don't quit. Like I said, they, they go through his mail, they go through his trash, but they, they never really find anything. Um, eventually they go back to that house where their friend lives, but who, he's been gone for a while. They break in and they look around and there's a jump scare because Nikki is in there. And again, I was like, what is she doing in there? Mm-hmm. It seems super shady, but she just says, they're on vacation. They rented a camper. I'm taking care of their cats, which is, Totally believable. Uh, I was still suspicious, but totally believable. But it was also cute in that moment because Nikki and Davey are talking and the friends are surprised because they thought that he was bullshitting them, that he had been spending time with her. And they're like, whoa, it's true. And I thought it was adorable. She totally plays it up for him like she says something like he's more of a man than you guys will ever be and she gives him a little kiss on the cheek and walks around and they all you know these little teenage boys kind of have this oh yeah like they're giving each other high fives (laughs) and she's just standing around the corner smiling and i i just thought Mm. how cute but Having seen the babysitter, <laughs> it kind of gave me that vibe too. I'm right? Like, is she going to sacrifice him to the devil later? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> oh, sorry, spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen the babysitter yet. <laughs> well, I think this is the thing that um, it wasn't maddening to me because I was just in the right frame of mind to watch this movie and to go through this with them. But I will admit, and I think some of the criticism that some people have said online about it is it is a little slow the build-up's a little slow and it's true because the guys go over and they they go through his trash they really don't find anything you know they follow his car they see that he's getting shovels and dirt but they don't really find anything they go to the neighbor's house they don't really find anything you know uh yeah so it's just a lot they plant of plant a walkie-talkie outside his window yeah, they don't really find exactly <laughs> like oh you know he's got some he's digging up his garden that's the whole thing he's buying tons and tons of dirt apparently and a, a pickaxe and a shovel and they're one 
wondering, they're figuring he's burying bodies in his backyard because he's building a garden back there, but it's clearly a shitty garden. Uh, and they climb up to plant the walkie-talkie, like you said, but that kind of gets foiled. And, and, and he sees them outside the window. Like, there's a kind of a scare where they're creeping around looking in his window. And one of them climbs the trellis up to the, his bedroom window where they're going to try to plant this cheap-ass G.I. Joe walkie-talkie. And uh, he's up there with, like, bleach and gloves and cleaning supplies and things. And then... And it looks like he has blood on his shirt. Yeah. And he kind of goes down and they say, oh, he's going to the basement. And the other kid runs down to the basement. Uh, on the outside of course and sees that the windows are blacked over and then at that moment they're looking in the windows and boom you know he sees Davy through the window and Davy runs off and their whole thing is like look if we get caught we're just going to say we were playing manhunt and so that's Mm -hmm. you know excusable or whatever so Davy uh, realizes that he has left the walkie talkie there uh, that they didn't make it up to the window but it was stuck in the trellis so he goes back over and of course the neighbor confronts him. Davy. Hey. Gotta say, you scared the hell out of me last night. Uh yeah, yeah, we were um sorry about that. Just we were just playing manhunt and I didn't expect you there. No, I get it. A lot of good hiding spots for manhunt. Yeah, uh, your your it's full of them. Guess you didn't see me coming either though. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? Wait. Let me guess. How are your money? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm ready for you this time. Come on back. And Davy notices the walkie-talkie there, and Mackie looks at Davy, and Davy's walkie-talkie that he has on his belt kind of goes off. And he looks down at it, and he says, oh, were you guys playing with, with, the, with that walkie-talkie? You know, it's kind of cheap. It doesn't get a good range. I've got some awesome walkie-talkies inside obviously they're cop radios and he said uh, they pick up everything you could you're welcome to use mm-hmm. them if you want and he's like no come, yeah just come inside with me and i'll get them for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to his credit he's still very cautious he's like no i'm not gonna go inside no that's okay no maybe later he's like, all right well whenever you want to just go and so you know he leaves and uh and still at this point you're not sure but you're kind of wondering how is this neighbor is he is he real is he not and the stuff you know everything that's going on could have a rational explanation mm-hmm. you know the guy gardens yeah there's a big mound of dirt in his garden it could be a grave it could just be a garden that night after this second meeting um davy is up looking through his window with his binoculars and across the way he sees mackie looking back at him through binoculars yeah which freaks him out but whatever dude you're looking at him (laughs) why why shouldn't he be looking out his window with binoculars right um but it is suspenseful it's creepy because we don't know but he tells the his friends look they're they're on to us and so they set up this plan where faraday and woody follow mackie he they know that he goes jogging every night at like 11 30 um and then eats and davy while he's gone they dig up his garden but they don't find anything faraday and woody follow him on foot and see that he has this storage unit and it's got an, a, a car in it, a Volkswagen in it, which I read was the same model that was Ted Bundy's car, but trivia. Um, and like he, he jogs there, but then he leaves in the Volkswagen. They see that he's got a bunch of dirt and pickaxes and stuff in there. When Eats and Davy can't find anything in the ground, they break into his gardening shed and Davy finds the missing boy's shirt with blood on it. Yeah. The, the boys that had followed 
Mackie report that he had sodium hydroxide in his storage unit and they looked that up and they said that it's used for breaking down organic tissue uh, and that it's often used to dissolve roadkill. So now they actually have some evidence and Davy says, all right, guys, it's time to tell my parents. Hmm. <laughs> I was not expecting this, by the way. <laughs> I, I wasn't either, but he's right. Like, yeah. this is the it is time to tell your parents. This is the kind of thing they're supposed to do in these movies, and they never do. They never go to the police. They never tell their parents. Or they'll go to the police, but the police completely make fun of them. But uh, in this case, yeah, they tell the parents, and the parents are like, what are, are, you, ta- are you talking about? Immediately they dismiss it, and they say, this is crazy, and you've been sneaking around, and you've been digging up his garden, and you've been stealing his stuff. And Dad says, you're going to go over there and apologize right now. And they all have to go across the street. And his dad knocks on the door, and Mackie comes to the door, and Dad makes him apologize, just reveals everything that they did. And he doesn't even know everything that they did to them, right? Like uh, digging up the garden and what. Well, he, if he does, he plays dumb. Yeah, exactly. But but again, he's so nice about it. He he's is. like, ah, uh, I get it. He's like, you know, I was into conspiracies when I was a kid too. He's like, it gets boring in the suburbs in the summer. You got to have something to do, yeah. a little mystery, you know. And he's like, no hard feelings, no big deal. And the kid's like, well, but I saw this kid in your house. He's like, oh, that was my nephew. He was here for a visit. Come on in. We'll call him. He'll tell you. And they're like, no, it's okay. (laughs) He's basically like, look, it's totally fine. It's no big deal. I get it. No big deal. Yeah. But Davey's dad is like, well, they're going to fix everything that they broke. They're going to fix your garden. And Davey's grounded for the rest of the summer. And then there's a little bit, like, Davey talks to Nikki again, and she realizes that he's got caught, and she's like, see, I told you. But he's like, well, but if I'm right, who's going to stop him? And then I think maybe one of my favorite scenes, one of the most tense scenes, um, Davey's home alone. I I assume his parents are at work, because it's during the day, the morning, I think. And there's a knock on the door, and it's Mackie, and he's like, look, I just wanted to stop by and say there's no hard feelings. I don't want there to be any tension between us. And he's like, can I come in? And Davey's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, listen, everything's cool. You don't have to be worried about anything. I promise you I'm going to do everything that I can to catch this bastard. And he says, is there anything that I can do to make you feel better? And Davey's like, well, you said before that you would call your nephew. Could you call him now? And he's like, yeah. And Davey's like, okay, hold on here. I'm going to go get the phone. Well, while he goes and gets the phone, Mackie comes in the house, which I thought was scary. <laughs> yeah, because David specifically said, you know, no, 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 it's okay. I'll get the phone for you. It's got a long cord. And he's like, all right, right. but he takes a few steps in anyway. Very scary. And he's looking around, mm-hmm. and Davey sees that he's come in, so he grabs a knife, and he holds it behind his back. But he brings the phone to Mackie, and Mackie dials it, and he's like, they're in, a, they're in Ohio or something. I don't know. He calls the number, and it rings and rings and rings. He's like, hmm weird they must not be home if you want to come over later we can try again later and Davy's like no it's it's cool 
and then Mackie leaves, and Davy is so smart. I never would have thought of this. <laughs> uh, he goes back to the phone, and he dials the operator, and he says, can you tell me what the last number was that was dialed from this line? And she does. The operator does. And he writes it down on a pad of phone numbers that that's hanging on the refrigerator. And he looks, and they have a list of all of their neighbors' phone numbers, which we did in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's Mackie's number. Mackie had dialed his own number. So at this point, I thought, well, he's obviously right. Yeah. You know? Um, it must be him, but that, and, and so Davey calls all of his friends over that night and he's like, look guys, it really is him. And they're like, you know, we've already gotten in trouble for this. I I don't, they don't, they're really reluctant. They don't want to do it anymore. And then the mom calls Davey down because there's a press conference and they say that they have captured the Cape May Slayer or whatever. And guess who the cop, the arresting officer was Mm -hmm. Mackie and Davey, you know, he tells his friends, look, it's, it's it's not true it's him and they don't believe him but they agree to help and so while everybody else goes to this big bay festival which is apparently a big thing for their town faraday is there with his parents so he watches mackie eats sits at a bus stop i guess as a lookout in case mackie comes home yes i wasn't really sure about that i was afraid at this point i'm still second guessing i think it's got to be mackie but i'm like well what if it isn't because we've already seen we didn't mention but we've already seen one teenage boy get taken swiped off the street yeah right and so i was really worried that eats was going to get kidnapped but woody and davy break into mackie's house with uh davy's dad's video camera Davy's dad is a uh, like a news cameraman and Nikki just happens to pop up and she's there too and so they're looking around in his house meanwhile Faraday sees that Mackie has been helping these other cops do this big garden in the park for the Bay Festival and he's like oh well that explains everything that explains all the dirt it explains all the tools and so he calls Davy on the walkie-talkie and says you were wrong um, I'll explain it later but you're wrong we're, we're calling it all off but Davy is still convinced so they break into the basement and it's spooky down there uh, and they they break into the padlocked room and it looks like a kid's bedroom yeah it's so weird and and not just a kid's bedroom but like a kid's bedroom from the past now i'm guessing you mentioned earlier and i had never really thought about it until you said it but that mackie seems to be kind of like a kid at heart Mm. and i think you're right i think that's kind of what the psychosis is here i think that he's clinging to that somehow which is why he still has his room set up like it was before or whatever but there's nothing all that weird about it i mean it's just a bedroom um but then they notice another door they open it up and in there they find pictures of the missing kid and then they find a body being dissolved in the tub and then <laughs> an, an arm reaches out and grabs one of them. And it's the kid that we saw get swiped off the street. So without question, it's for sure Mackie. Yes. Um, and they all run upstairs. And before they run out, they look at the pictures on the wall that we had seen earlier. And they realize that it's not pictures of Mackie's family. It's pictures of all of his victims and... 
Davy sees a picture of his family there. So it seems pretty apparent that Mackie was grooming Davy and that Davy was probably going to be next. Mm. Well, they go, they go to the police and the police, they have all the evidence and they have it all on tape. We never see that kid again, but obviously that kid was still alive. He could tell them what happened. So they set out to arrest Mackie, but they can't find him. And this is where things not necessarily took a surprising turn, but I was surprised at how quickly and how dark it got. Mm. Because Mackie, who has been this affable kind of guy, shady, suspicious, but friendly, all of a sudden we see his true colors, and it's scary. It is, and this is the point where the movie really subverts your expectations. He goes to the police, he's got the evidence, the police completely believe him, they go to find him, he's gone, Um, but the police chief says to his parents, you should be proud of your son, he's a hero. If he hadn't been down there, this kid would, would have been dead. He just gets everything that he wants. And then the next scene is that the guy's still gone. Davy is at home and he looks out his window and the cops are across the street searching the house and all that. And Woody's spending the night. Yeah, Woody is spending the night. And the dad just looks in there and he says, all right, well, we're going to we're going to take good care of you guys. We're going to keep a watch out for him. I'm sure they'll find him. It's going to be fine. And he leaves. You're safe now. Yeah. And uh, Davy looks out the window and Mackie and Woody comes over and he says, do you think they'll catch him? And Davey says, there's nowhere left to hide. It's over. And I'm like, nope, because there's still about 15 minutes left in this movie. It's definitely (laughs) not over. And sure enough, as they're sleeping, the camera creeps around through the hallway and the attic opens up. And uh, it's one of those attic doors where the ladder drops down and these legs come down the ladder and very quietly creep into his room. And uh, Davey gets chloroformed. And when he wakes up, he and Woody are in the back seat of a car, a police car. They don't know where they are, and they wake up, and uh, Davy is able to untie Woody's bonds, and they're able to kind of get free. And at that time, somebody starts smashing the window of the car, opens the window of the car, uh, and, of course, Mackie is there terrorizing them, jumps at them through the window, and they run out the door into the woods. And he's on the speaker saying, okay, you know, you guys want to play manhunt. Now we're going to play manhunt for real. And uh, they start tearing off through the woods. Only they can't find a road or anything. They come to water, and then they turn, and they come to water again. And they say, oh, my God, we're on the island. We're on the island in the middle of the bay or whatever. So this guy comes running after them and pursuing them. Davy is up against a tree, and... uh and Mackie cuts his, his, what's that called? The heel there? Achilles tendon. His Achilles yeah, tendon. Before, just, I mean, while they're being chased, they come into this kind of marshy area oh, and they yes. real, they see all these bones. This is clearly where Mackie has been uh, disposing of his victims and they're all dissolved and nasty and gross. Yeah, he's not been too subtle about it, unfortunately. He should, he uh-uh. should bury him a little deeper. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, they're running around, they, they're just in their socks you know they were in bed he's nearby and woody says i i can't die tonight davy my mom and uh davy says you're not gonna die tonight and davy takes off on his own and taunts um mackie so that he will follow him and he does 
uh, Mackie does follow him, but like you said, he finally catches up to him, surprises him from the back, and cut his Achilles tendon. That never heals. I was like, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. Like, I don't know, maybe in 2020, there are things that they can do to repair that. But as far as I know, like, if your tendon, Achilles tendon is severed, it's very difficult to repair, and you're immediately hobbled. Like, mm. you cannot walk on that leg uh, yeah. if, if that happens. But he doesn't kill Davy right away. Instead, he heads back towards the car. Um, Woody. Uh, Woody gets back to the car and is kind of standing there looking around and Mackie attacks him from the back and slits his throat and I was so upset yes this was supremely upsetting this this and the way it was shot and everything I mean first of all this is the affable likable nice overweight kid who's got the problems at home with his mom I did not expect him to die in this movie no he's also been the one who has been the most loyal to Mm -hmm. Davey throughout whereas the others were kind of like we don't really want to Woody was always there like you're my best friend I'm always going to have your back and Um, the way and I just didn't think it was going to happen and you know he like his poor sad mom like and the way uh, it's shot is so cruel i mean it's we're on the ground with him he's facing the camera and you don't even see mackie you just see him holding up his head and he just takes that knife across his throat and starts to just basically bleed him out like a pig and this is all in one unbroken take that we see from beginning to end it's not glamorous at all it's it's horrifying horrifying and this i mean this is what i was like oh my god i could not believe the movie was gonna get this dark and i couldn't either i was really surprised yeah um and sad but on the other hand kind of like you know what good for you for going for it i mean that's what that's a horror movie how bad this guy is right Mm -hmm. and i also thought that it was so creepy Davy comes back and finds Woody's body, and then Mackie grabs Davy and throws him up against the car and is screaming at him. You brought this on yourself. All you had to do was leave me alone. This is your goddamn fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You forced me out of my home. You stole my life! You do not need to be sorry. (laughs) All I want to do is kill you. It's not enough for you. You have spent so much time thinking about me. I want you to keep thinking about me. I want you to imagine what I am going to do when I come back for you. I am going to come back for you. After you spent your life looking over your shoulder. After you have wondered every single day if that is the day that I'm going to come for you. And so he just leaves him. 
Yeah. And Davy crawls along the street until he gets picked up. Um, a, a man just finds him in the road. And then Davy has his final monologue, which calls back to the first monologue. And he says, the suburbs are where the craziest stuff happens. People hardly ever let you know who they really are. Even serial killers live next door to somebody. And we're also kind of seeing, like, it looks like Eats' family is maybe moving or, or something. Like Woody's kind of, house is, is for sale. Yeah. Davy's doing his um, paper route on his bike again, but he's got this big brace on his uh, ankle, which I assume he'll probably have to wear for the rest of his life. And so, again, it hits back at that theme of you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And I think that it really establishes that theme really well. But I also thought that the ending was so good because Mackie's punishment of Davy, he's right. It's worse than killing him. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, because that kid now is going to have to live the rest of his life knowing that that guy is out there somewhere yeah. and that he's going to come back eventually. And when you think about that, how could you ever really get close to anybody when you would know that you were putting them in imminent danger i mean that just fucked that kid's whole life <laughs> oh, yeah the, and the movie is just a barrage of depression i mean as he's going through his paper route he passes woody's house which is you know for sale nikki passes by in the car waving goodbye she's moving away yep. eats and faraday are coming out and they have trashed the treehouse and they're throwing the pieces of the treehouse down that's gone it's like you know their childhood is done they're not even looking at him it's like they're pissed at him and then you know maggie's house House has got the the police tape over it, uh, and then he opens up the newspaper and sees the headline, which basically says the killer is still at large. All over this monologue, and that's the way the freaking movie ends. It's at a point where you you feel guilty for having had fun with this movie. Yeah, it took such a sharp left turn, and you're like, oh, this is this fun summer kids adventure film, and the bad guy's going to get it. And at the end of the day, you're just struck with reality. Like, nope, guess what? Most of the time, bad guy gets away. All kinds of crazy, horrible shit happens in the suburbs, and it stays crazy and horrible and never gets resolved and uh, destroys homes and lives and families. And there you go. Credits. <laughs> I just couldn't believe the thematic 180, the trick that had been pulled on me uh, by the end of the movie. It was unbelievable. Super dark. Yeah. And just left an icky feeling in my stomach. Yes, it did. But also, I found... Okay, so all of the stuff leading up to it, I thought it was fun, and I enjoyed it. And I, I, regardless of how it turned out, I think, you know, I kind of expected there would be a showdown, but then Mackie would probably get killed or get caught or, or something. Yeah, That's what I was expecting. Me too. So it subverted my expectations, and ultimately, even though it is really dark and even though it is pretty depressing at the end, I was like, dang... <laughs> like <laughs> I I thought they they really surprised me there and I'm impressed. Mm. I'm impressed well, that too. they subverted my my expectations in that way and I actually think that it's a strength of the movie that it doesn't do what you expect it to do. Yeah. Um and I think that a lot of that comes from the the actor who plays Mackie, his performance. I just think he does a great job in this. The only other thing I've ever seen him in, you mentioned Mad Men. Um he was in the Netflix series Glow um and played a totally different character and even looked completely different. Mm. You know, Glow 
was happening around the same time as this, but in that show, he's much leaner and he plays this pretty boy, rich boy who's, you know, funds this women's wrestling league or whatever. Um, and I really liked him in that, but he's dopey and goofy in that. And here he's a completely different character. Mm -hmm. Um, and he does such a good job of playing that facade and then allowing us to see his crazy at the end. I don't know. I just have to say overall, I thought it was a really good movie. It was a surprise. I didn't know anything about it. It was just, and this has happened to me with several movies on Shudder, which is another plug for it. You know, you can just look around and you'll find these things that you've never heard of, both old and new. I have watched several Shudder exclusives and Shudder originals that have been made in the past couple of years, and I've just been really impressed. And I'm glad that there's a place for these kinds of movies because they typically don't get celebrated too much in the mainstream so i'm really glad that there's you know that amc or whoever puts all this together these are clearly people that uh, that like horror movies the way that we like horror movies and there's good quality stuff there and i think that this is a quality movie it's well made it's well written it's well acted i i don't really have much criticism of it at all well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I am not complaining about the ending. I'm, I, I'm, I think the ending is great. Uh, you need something different. You know, we we wanted something that's just not going to be a carbon copy of those other films we had seen before. And the fact that this got such an emotional reaction for me, and I really like the theme. And shall we say it's it's very apropos for today as well. I, I hate to dive into this territory, but you know, we're at a time when the world isn't such a great place to be in. And a lot of people like to look back and say, oh, do you remember the good old days? Like, you know, back when I was a kid in the 80s, we didn't have any of these problems. People were nice to each other. There wasn't this stuff. Nothing bad ever happened, right? Mm-hmm. But no, actually, things weren't necessarily better before. Things like this were always happening. And despite, you know, the feel-good movies of that time, we had a lot of issues. So I felt like being true to life was good. I felt like it was making a little bit of a point that way. It was a great update, in a way, of that formula. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can take this formula and you can follow it, but then kind of say something new with it. And I feel like that's what this movie did thematically. So mm-hmm. I And, and again... Hit me at a very gut visceral level. I loved these kids. I loved spending time with them. And it just destroyed me to see one of the nicest kids of the group get brutally murdered right in front of me. And the rest of them are just going to go their own own ways, I think, from here on out. And this is going to scar them for the rest of their lives. I mean, I don't want to, I don't wish that on anyone. But, you know, as a dramatic thing, as a movie that I'm going to be thinking about for a while, uh, it was very, very effective. So. Yep. I feel like we need to package this episode up and send it to Shudder. Maybe we can get them to sponsor the show. <laughs> they, they do have Shudder exclusive podcasts, too. Dude, you know, somebody, maybe we need to get on that. Somebody write some notes of petition or something for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend and share it with Shudder. <laughs> you can tell them and all your friends that you can find us at twoguys.red40net.com. We're online. Just search us, Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Shoot us a note there. Give us some requests. We'd love to hear from you what you thought of this movie and this episode. If we see your request, we keep a nice long list, and we'll be sure to get to it sometime in the near future. Until that time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Ah.